Good day, you're on Community Radio 2XX 98.3 FM. You're listening to Behind the Lines. Thanks, Liam, for that introduction. And we are joined on the dog and bone by Mr. Peter Trigulgus from the Mercury Centre. How are you, Peter? Hey, going, Scotty. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And uh, also in the studio, we have Chloe. How are you, Chloe? I'm well, thank you. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. Okay, and uh, yeah, yeah, so... The Mercury Centre, do you want to give us just a very brief, at this point, a very brief uh, outline of it? Well, Mercury has been going for uh, about 15 years. Um, it was originally set up in Melbourne, uh, but is now in Sydney. And it really was originally set up as a training uh, centre organisation for cooperatives and organisations uh, with a particular focus of the Pacific and... Um, and the east coast of Australia, uh, and then it moved to uh, to Sydney and split off that um, international focus to really just being more about Australia. Um, but over time, um, uh, it's um, it's focused around, it continued to focus around sort of more the business um, advice of cooperatives and um, uh, how you could bring them to fruition and support for uh, small smaller ventures. Um, and in the last two years, we've really taken a bit of a metamorphosis and uh, tried to reinvigorate the organisation with some new board members and a sort of better marketing focus and the scenario and um, uh, under my chairmanship. And uh, we're essentially focusing in now on three key uh, key areas, three strategy areas around a collaborative enterprise, as we call it. Yeah, right. So you say you're focusing on on business. What what is business? What's going on with this stuff? Uh, well, I guess the, one of the most important things that uh, of uh, of you know business and cooperatives is that they are they are um, in in that context of being trading organisations. They they trade in order to gain a surplus, um, and on the basis of being uh, a cooperative in that sense, they really are the, the original social enterprise um, because of their values values base and the common bond scenario between the members. Um, but it is really that focus on trading for um, uh, trading for a purpose, um, which in that purpose is essentially the the membership, but of course has broader social uh, social value and social connection. So that's the that's our uh, that's our prime prime uh, prime focus. Yeah, right. So it's sort of one of the ways that we use to provide for our our sort of needs, isn't it? Oh, well, indeed. Um, well, as they say, need, needs and wants. Um, yes, definitely. <laughs> the, the, look, the scenario of uh, of a cooperative, of course, is you know, step originally in the, under the Rockford um, principles, a Rockford concept um, in the mid eighteen hundreds in the UK, but it's um, you know advanced and been. Um, you know, much more sophisticated with an international cooperative association, and um, and the seven key principles and uh, that that op- that that operates on. Um, but uh, it's in that sense, it's not just about being a cooperative. Um, Mercury ha- has a view about being collaborative. We call ourselves a collaborative enterprise catalyst. So the concept is to try to help um, organisations, in particular, whether they're government or uh, community. Um, to uh, to establish and to uh, to flourish, um, 
and um, and in that sense, it's about um, identifying the you know the market opportunity and being clearer about that, but certainly being clearer of the strategies around governance, around stewardship, and you know connecting and learning. Yeah, right. It, mm. Sorry, um, you 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 use the word collaborative um, instead of cooperative. I guess what what's sort of the I guess are you trying to expand on the co-op sort of theme there? Well. In the point of in the point of the job uh, or task that we're doing is that we think that collaborative is the is the key, meaning that the entity title, whether it's a, a cooperative or whether it's an incorporated association, these are entities which have a means to an end. Um, you know, they are the the rationale which the bank will accept the bank account. Um, the um, uh, so we're not fussed in that sense really about uh, how people. And communities come together. It is, but it is about how the community actually works together. And um, so, um, I'm a huge fan of the cooperative model. Um, and um, but it does take some uh, some work to actually get it, get it to work together. And very often, it's uh, it's sometimes a process of where people maybe would need to work together as a not for profit incorporated body. Uh, for a period of time before they really see that there's a major trading opportunity. Uh, that they might want to bring uh, bring together in, a, in an even more collaborative, uh, 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 but you know, enterprise orientated um, orientation. Yeah. Bearing in mind, of course, that cooperatives have two key forms uh, under the new cooperative national legislation, and that is that uh, you either have what is called a trading cooperative, um, which is one where uh, organisations come together and their and their focus is is around, uh, say, being a producer of uh, and supply, and but they can they have shares. Um, and the second is essentially the non-trading or not-for-profit, so distributing and non-distributing cooperatives. They're called. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, what's I mean, a lot of the writers I've read have made a sort of distinction between the the big corporation sort of business and, and the small business that we're more familiar with. You know, say in the shop front or the cafe down the street. Um, so I guess David Corton likes to call it Wall Street versus Main Street. What's the distinction between these two sort of different beasties? Um, well, Wall, I mean, Wall Street is your classic um, uh, corporate, uh, corporate model where there's a, sh- a share-based um, operation and that the focus is, in that sense, the classic... Um, a capital raising through sale of shares, of which, therefore, uh, all those particular shareholders um, own, the, own the corporation on the basis of the numbers of shares that they actually own. And consequently, you can have battle for leaderships and whatever that we hear about all the time. Um, in a cooperative, um, there is uh, uh, generally a... Uh, uh, a core number of, uh, of of shares, which therefore be, um, belong equally to the uh, to the membership, um, but it also means that, but it but it does mean that uh, the different suppliers that are, that come in through the operation can be dealt with uh, separately. So it's in that sense, there's not um, the share value in that sense is not. Um, one which is about control. The um, a cooperative, for example, needs a minimum of five um, uh, people uh, to be to be become a cooperative, and that's therefore they've all got those five equal shares in the uh, in the operation. 
So therefore, uh, as you can see, there's only there's twenty percent of each of them, and you can't necessarily buy the next person out if you know know the know the process. Mm. But when you're talking about Wall Street versus Main Street, Main Street would tend to be more of a potentially a sole operator um, with somebody uh, you know operating a small let's call it a delicatessen or a butcher shop or something along those lines in a in a strip show, strip. Um, you know, trading entity. So we've got quite a big difference between a conglomerate, you know, major uh, major entity versus maybe a mum and dad business. Yeah, right, right. So um, I guess the, what are the what are the stories? I mean, I'm trying to get it sort of where they're coming from rather than the actual structure. I mean, you've covered the structure too, which is excellent. Um, yeah, what are the, what are the stories that are sort of being told by the people within the business? Are they, are they differing in that sort of sense? Well, it depends on which business. Um, <laughs> but, um, but look, cooperatives is in a is in a very difficult position across Australia. Um, you've uh, in the same way. As, um, uh, um, look, there are the major uh, long term cooperative um, success stories. Um, um, there's also there's um, you know there's a major there's been change that's been occurring for some time, um, but. Let's say, for example, um, a, a, wonder, a wonderful, interesting example is West Farmers, which we all know is the owners of Bunnings, mm-hmm. originally started out as a cooperative in Western Australia in um, uh, the early 1900s. In, um, in around 1984, they, uh, uh, they demutualised and became the, uh, the corporation that they, are, that they are now. But as you can see, that they really came together as a group of as a group of farmers originally, trying to uh, maximise the opportunity for their market, and now have become quite a you know major organisation. So, in the sense of major organisations, there are several very large cooperatives. Of course, um, uh, the um, uh, CBH uh, Grain Group again in Western Australia is the largest. Um, silo operator um, for wheat producers in Australia, in Australia, and they're listed in fact the top 100 companies or organisations in the Australian um, list, and they're also the sort of number one top of the top 100 cooperatives in Australia. But then, of course, you move down. Uh, you know, these are the major distributive cooperatives, and they uh, they can and we're, uh, we've heard of the, the good stories and the sort of odd stories about the Murray Goulburn Group. Mm-hmm. Um, um, in just in this year, um, you know, these are the very large uh, cooperatives with uh, very large participation of traders and um, and producers. But then we go down to the, uh, you know, to a small operation which might be a, a not for profit, completely different exercise. You know, housing cooperative or a food um, a food cooperative, for example, which uh, really only has a small number of uh, small number of people, but still. In many ways, just as much, if not more, enthusiasm for their uh, for their products and services. Um, so the stories really do range. So if we look at say the small and community edge of that, what we've got at the moment is some you know really exciting um, scenarios where, um, if you like, the millennials and the X generation are, are starting to rediscover um, the the value of the cooperative model. Um, as a legal entity, it's, of course, it's a legislated legal entity, same as incorporated associations, or same as proprietary limited or companies limited by guarantee. And um, but the, the the joy of this model is, of course, is that 
its legislated models for a values-based um, um, you know, a corporate entity. Um, so it's lock, it locks itself into its own values principles. And um, some of the, the real uh, exciting stuff is around the area around, uh, say, en- energy providers and some of the... Uh, in New South Wales, um, we've got a couple of uh, couple of those in particular that have started to set themselves up in um, uh, as maybe potentially uh, as energy providers and um, are looking at alternative en- energy solutions. Um, out of the food cooperative areas it's, has always has always been uh, been strong, but we've also got the new uh, regimes um, or the new potential in this, which is not so much your traditional cooperative, but what they now call um, a platform cooperative, meaning it's a computer-based, um, uh, using the algorithms of, uh, of you know, of the web, um, but able to bring together a, a, a number of people, or let's, let's say a, a group of suppliers who are trying to uh, to get to a group of um, consumers, and uh, the group of suppliers may work together as a uh, again as a as a classic cooperative. But it really is the whole exercise is utilising the um, uh, the technology as their tool, um, as opposed to potentially what used to be, a, say, maybe a marketplace. Ah, great! That's the best description of a platform co-op I've ever had. I think. Good on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's reserve that one. Sure. <laughs> so uh, you're saying that some of the well, let's get into the uh, the cooperative principles, I guess. Um, what, what can you just roll off a few of the the cooperative principles? There's, I think, the Rochdale principles are seven, aren't they? Oh, there are seven. Um, you've. Uh I don't, don't exactly roll off my head. I mean, I can, I can grab, I can grab them if you like. Well, but I might one, be able to grab a few, and you could grab a few. <laughs> well, the one, the ones that I like, that I personally like the most, is around the sort of five and six, <laughs> which is the ones that talk about cooperation amongst cooperatives. Yeah. For example, and the principle of that is, of course, that um, you know the idea is that cooperatives would buy from other cooperatives, and so when we're talking about concepts around, say, the new the focus of social enterprise about social procurement, um, there's a desire in that sense to trade with each other and support each other. Now, as a small uh, operator, for example, let's say you're a food, uh, food cooperative um, working in, um, you know, in the ACT area and you're trying to bring together a range of suppliers uh, who are your food producers and some of those might already be operating as cooperatives. There might be a you know, a fruit growers group or there might be a vegetable growers group, for example. And the idea would, would be that that cooperative may, as the, as the consumer co- cooperative, um, would, would be buying their, their, uh, their services or buying their stock from those and supporting those cooperatives as well as, as other suppliers um, and then supporting the, uh, you know, supporting the principles of cooperatives themselves. Um, Peter, it's Chloe here. I just had a question on how to build uh, that cooperation between cooperatives. Um, There's some movements uh, across the world in terms of creating local currencies, uh, places like Bristol or Totnes in the UK. I'm just wondering if you have an experience or opinion on those models to try and create uh, that that trading, I guess, ring fence, um, not to supplant uh, the the currency of the country, but uh, to create, create another layer, I suppose. I'm probably not your best person on, on this one um, in that um, the whole cooperative area and platform stuff is, is doing my head in already. The, um, <laughs> and, uh, and look, um, 
we supported and um, uh, brought out, not brought out, he, while he was in Australia in, uh, in October, um, we had uh, Michelle Ball um, and, of course, his focus on, um, on the Commons um, and Commons transition. And we had him um, in Sydney doing um, a couple of couple of talks in the west and uh, in uh, in the city, and he certainly talks around that broader area of um, you know of financial s- uh, systems and blockchain and um, and those areas. However, I'd have to say I'm not uh, you know not particularly up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I am old enough, however, to remember <laughs> <laughs> that. Um, uh, scenarios that range from a sort of more commercialised barter card through to um, you know a whole range of sort of bartering systems and stuff has been around for some time. Mm-hmm. And one of the points that has always got to be taken into account when considering that is, um, again, it, it is about the trade. Um, and of course, when there's an exchange of something, um, ultimately it does lead lead to a you know a financial transaction or a non-financial transaction but it still means that there's that the tax department is very interested in that transaction mm-hmm. and where some of the failure that idea that you could create an internal system um, which was really just about amongst the internal traders mm-hmm. it's actually where the tax department we got very interested um, because you know in that sense it's about how um, you know there there is clear um, tax implications, so it's uh, it can't be addressed naively. If, if I guess is my key point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Um, oops, lost there. Um, so I guess going back to fundamentals, I guess um, what's what's sort of your your vision of, of the economy as a whole, and where, where does where does all this fit in? I mean. My, my definition of the economy has managed to strip right back to people doing peopley stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, let's take that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, the, the, the focus that we have, because it is people doing peopley stuff, really, on people and, and, and the relationships between people. I mean, do you reckon that might be the root of sort of the, the disregard that business sort of has for nature? Um, look, I, I, we... I mean, I've been, um, and the Mercury is involved in, um, as, as we point out, um, trying to, you know, promote and develop, uh, you know, an enterprise catalyst, uh, an enterprise environment. So, in other words, we, we do still have, we have a clear view that um, social enterprise, uh, of which cooperatives in that broader sense, is, uh, is one of those aspects. Uh, when... Uh, in some time ago, around in the uh, early 2000s, I worked with uh, United Care Wesley in Adelaide, and we produced a booklet, Social Enterprise in Australia, where um, we tried to create a definition because in those, you know, back then, I know it's only what 14 odd years ago, but um, <laughs> moves fast, doesn't it? Uh, it's uh, there was, you know, social enterprise was new to Australia at that point. And while the UK were working on things like social enterprise London and some terrific models, in Australia we were still struggling with what did this concept mean. And so we came up with this view that um, market-based ventures with social aims. And the point was that the market was, and I'm not just going to be saying, you you know, just a market, complete market focus, but the point was that the ability to form a successful social enterprise was about 
being aware of what a market actually was. In other words, people want to buy stuff. This, again, is back to the tradable. Um, uh, that there is an exchange, a, tra- a trading scenario, and, um, but there is still a social, uh, there's still a social aim. Now, one of the issues, of course, around social enterprise is that sometimes the social aim takes the paramount view and that therefore the host organisations, let's say some of the uh, faith or char- uh, more charitable not-for-profits, have had a view that, about trying to um, uh, sort of make it a, a, social, a social venture um, with very little vision around sustainability. And so when, when they realise that, of course, it's not really making, uh, it's not really sustainable, uh, meaning that it's not able to continue employment, etc. They've, they've sometimes withdrawn the, the financial resources to make them carry on. So that issue around being um, running concurrently and developing a business focus, meaning a market-based focus, we still see as very important. So that when we come back to the issue around economy, um, uh, the argument, the point that we would still be talking about that is trying to create or achieve uh, viable and equitable and self-sustainable outcomes um, through a uh, through a, an, a, you know, a collaborative enterprise engagement. Yeah, that, is that is that too much? No, I think yours, no. yours was much simpler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it didn't say as much. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, the, um, so yeah, oh, go on. Oh no! So it, it just does come back into those um, uh, key components about um, that under uh, to be an effective, um, en- uh, you know, social enterprise. You know, and again, as we say, whatever model uh, of entity it takes, um, as long as it's essentially, you know, appropriate for the organisation, that is, that's that's good. But under that sense, it still needs appropriate collaborative um, governance government strategies um, so when uh, you know let's get a you know let's say us three have got a great idea whatever that might be we've still got to get together and have a couple of beers and think that through um, in terms of what we think it's going to and how we're going to, going to do it now we might be um, you know we may have a terrific idea around I don't know growing asparagus for example um, and but in that sense and um, Scotty, you, you might grow a hundred um, hundred tons of it in a year, and Chloe, you, you're growing two hundred tons. And I, I've got a trucking business, and me mate down the road, he's got a um, uh, he's got a cold store, and uh, Chloe, you've got another friend who's growing only growing fifty uh, tons. The idea, though, is that if we bring our our arrangements together. We're really creating a producers cooperative that we can look at how we can get a better share, because of course that. Um, you know, what is it? Three hundred and fifty tons is, is going to be a lot, uh, a lot more effective in a in a market negotiation than um, any of our individual one hundred tons or my trucking business. Yeah, right. So, but we but we still got to we still got to bring that together in a governance form and work out how we are going to actually work together. Um, and uh, that's that's before we've even moved on to the uh, effective market, the marketing of that exercise, and get actually getting it to our uh, to our markets. And what are some of the most frequent problems you come across in in the governance? Are there there common issues that arise? Well, I guess the the, the, the problem that we've all got, I think, and it's, it's 
product of our current education, really, is. And um, it's simply that we've got a very strong focus on individualism. And um, um, just using the far, you know, the farmer example is, um, uh, I've got a, you know, I'm growing a pile of stuff, and I, you know, I'm an individual, and I, you know, my farm is going to is in fact doing better than your farm. Mm. Um, why do I? Why should I connect to you? Mm. Um, and you know, even though that the, the opportunity might be if we combine our two lots of uh, out, output. Uh, we've got a better bargaining position, and if we bring in a third or a fourth person, we may even be better. Mm. The problem is, is then about getting people to work together in that sense of like, I could just still do this better myself. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, why do you think that is? Is is that a symptom of uh, our culture? Are there are there different approaches across the world where there's not such an individual focus? Or well, that, that's you're right. Um, We've really moved moved into this sort of uh, you know the individual entre- entrepreneur is the you know is the great god, um, whereas there there are plenty of better examples and it, it's been uh, shown uh, you know works works effectively uh, in Italy for example and indeed in in the Philippines it's, you know we got two pretty divergent um, communities in their actual constitutions cooperatives are actually mentioned in their constitutions about how people work together um in the australian constitution we uh we haven't even got a, a treaty between our indigenous people and um, mm-hmm. so we're not working together too well at all i don't think but the um the um, but the point being that there is um uh and in spain of course with the greatest the largest cooperative in the world with Mondragon, um, which is in the Basque area. It's when Spain was going through its major um, economic downturn. Mon- uh, Mondragon and the Basque area was the only area that was actually financially um, successful in all of Spain. So it is a lot to do with what is our focus culture. But what's, what's interesting about this is that in a historic context, and so. Um, all support to organisations like the Sydney University Business School, who've just won a major uh, research project on cooperatives in Australia and mapping them from where they, from the uh, Federation till uh, 2012, which was the International Year of Cooperatives. They uh, the, fo- the focus around that is looking at the history because Australia uh, in the certainly early early 1900s, pre-war, uh, pre-First World War. Um, essentially, was able to um, build its co- uh, build uh, its produce base on uh, on the farm producer cooperative model, and, and and when we talk about that, we can also add to that the financing um, through um, uh, through the mutuals, um, and of course, which have great you know credit unions and mutuals, because cooperatives and credit union mutuals are essentially very similar models. So it is about how the culture. Perceives of it, whereas it, whereas unfortunately, in the in the sixties and seventh world, well, really more to do in the seventies. One of the things about cooperatives, in particular, is they tended to be very stable organisations, and so they've uh, they built assets, and they built assets because part of their theory is around you know saving for a rainy day, mm. and a, and a good example of that was in Carnarvon, where there was a uh, a cyclone of what three or four years ago, uh, the Carnarvon Bananas Cooperative. Um, 95% of all the bananas were wiped out in that in that um, cyclone. 
but the Canavan Banana Company chose to pay, I think it was 75% of what they would have normally got to those farmers because mm. Mm. they had accumulated. But what the pressure is that, of course, as you can see, in order to pay 75% of what they would have got on an annual fee, it means they had a reasonable balance sheet. And the point being is that people who started that cooperative 50 years ago are no longer in that cooperative because they're passed on or the children might still be there as part of farmers. But So the contemporary carpetbagger comes in and goes, hello, that's a very handsome um, balance sheet. I could get my share on that now with, with doing Sweet FA. Mm. <laughs> you want to explain what a carpetbagger does for a living? <laughs> 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 They're worth knowing about if you're talking about co-ops. <laughs> yeah, they've got a great name. I probably shouldn't have brought that one in, should I? <laughs> no, no, no. I was going to bring it in later. <laughs> uh, look, the carpetbagger is your classic... Um, <laughs> you're asking me for definition. Um, oh, you've got your, it's, it's your classic snake oil salesman that's a door knocker that's got a pile of good stuff in their bag. And they want to make a lot of money out of whatever it is that they're trying to that they're trying to flog. Yeah, and, uh, they tend to be, uh, as we say, snake oil salesmen and uh, uh, capitalise on um, on um, you know the vulnerabilities of uh, of people and uh, an individual greed, really. Yeah, and I understand during the eighties, a whole lot of these people sort of formed a uh, a method of taking over cooperatives and selling them. Well, they did, and it's, look, it's still going on. Um, there is debate going on at the moment about um, uh, demutualising the CBH, the uh, largest cooperative in, in, um, in Australia, uh, that's going on in the West as we speak. The, um, uh, let's hope that they, uh, they, fight their way, they fight their way through that because, um, you know, that sort of level of resource is, uh, is you know, is incredibly worthwhile maintain, maintaining. As we can see, because it delivers a social purpose, um, and in the example of the social purpose, if a disaster occurs, it's it's not going back to the government saying, "Sorry, look, government, you know, I've paid all my taxes, give me the money, um, you know, to fix that." It's actually you've done it within, and so I guess these are some of the very attractive stuff that's coming. It is the future of where uh, the cooperative model is going. In that, we talked, touched on before about the idea of platform corps, but if we look at what happening in, say, particularly in the UK, where around what they're calling community community shares, um, we've got off, um, some scenarios here where uh, the community could form a cooperative to um, uh, maintain a community asset, for example. Um, in South Australia, it's happened a couple of times where, uh, say, for example, I think it's the Berry Hotel and it might be the Stricky Bay Hotel um, was saved by the community by the community basically buying the hotel themselves and, um, you know, maintaining a, uh, a, essentially a public service uh, uh, for, their, uh, for their own community. And there's plenty of other examples where, the, say, for example, the, uh, the petrol station, which is the only facility in, you know, within 50 kilometres or 100 kilometres, needed to be saved. I mean, the market, uh, what do you call, the market failure... Um, has meant that the community needed to band behind behind something and sort of buy it themselves. The simple economy of that one was, of course, um, if you lived in, in that in that proximity as a farmer, you needed to travel uh, well fifty kilometres to get your fuel. 
if you needed to travel 50, 50 plus another 100 to get the fuel, well, it starts becoming very uneconomic, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that leads into you, you call yourselves ownership architects. Mm. So, um, yeah. What, let, that, let, let's, what, is, what does that mean? Yeah, let's head into a bit of ownership. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a remarkably deep field, ownership. Um, well, I think for, uh, for, thanks for reading the website. That's excellent. Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> the, look, one of the most important things, and I think one of the differences about Mercury was certainly over the recent period, is um, as we say, we're not concerned so much with what the um, what the end entity is, although you know we've got a favoured view. But what's important is, and here people have got a business plan, so they know what the business is and who's going to um, you know where the market is. But what's also really important is who actually you know who owns it, who brings it together, and what's the if you like what's the member proposition. So it's about how you actually bring the players to players together um, to help formulate what that uh, what that is. So the owners of of it now again, properties come in many different groups. There's a buyers group. If you if you're all trying, you all need to buy something. Um, you know, the, um, if you're a motorworks uh, operation, for example, you all got to buy spare parts or something rather to fix the cars. So you, you form a, a buyers group to do that. If you're a, uh, a consumer cooperative, it's your classic uh, grocery shop um, where you're providing um, cooperative services, uh, you know, a cheaper scenario, we hope it's cheaper, um, to, your, uh, to your community. And that's, that's been a common one which has sprung out of uh, what was producer cooperatives, which are farmers, you know, working together and then over time they've matured into that. But again, farmers, we've talked about those, about how they uh, band, band together. But the issue around their ownership and how they participate in um, in the original proposition and maintain their connection is a key component. So forming an ownership plan uh, is a key is a key component of it. Is that making sense for everybody? So far, yep. so good. Yep. <laughs> uh, so that I mean, so that's the a point about forming a, you know the architect behind that. I mean, I'd have to go into great into much uh, more individual detail, but I mean. On the more uh, frivolous basis, for example, we we joke that um, uh, what we call the beers principle, you know, the you know that amber liquid stuff with bubbles in it, um, and that is that you know, for example, a uh, to form a, a proprietary limited, you know, basically a sole operator business, um, and to attract an ABN, you um, you know, you can do that with one beer by yourself. Um, and you can do it on a Thursday evening. You know, it, it takes no time. You just pull it off the shelf. <laughs> to um, form a um, uh, an incorporated association, you've got to have a couple of meetings. You know, you know, you've got to have several people who are, you know, generally in that view that you're going to form a netball club or whatever you're going to form. You know, or a group of um, inter- interested parties. And so we'd say that's you know ten to twenty beers. <laughs> and um, but in order to form a cooperative, you've really got to, you've, as a minimum, you've got to have five um, parties um, involved in that. You have had to have met probably, uh, say, five, you know, four or five times in order to do that. And every time you've met, let's say you've, had, you've got a couple of beers each. So there's two, ten, ten times five, you know, 50 beers. And do, <laughs> so, do, do people see that as a, a too big a hurdle sometimes? Is that an issue that you come across? I well, I think that's true. That is true. Um, but 
the, the point being, um, what has tended to be the most successful of the operations is, when, is uh, as they say, more speed, less haste, or whatever it is. It's, um, mm. If you actually spend the time um, to work through what the opportunity is, and um, and better and greater engagement, um, you know, there, there comes the success. One of our one of our member, um, one of our board members, Alan Greig, um, has just put put out a paper uh, which is related to this point in um, in Pro Bono's news uh, yesterday or the day before. <coughs> if you're a subscriber or not, if you're not a subscriber, subscribe. It's a terrific pub, free free newsletter publication. Mm-hmm. And he's done a little a paper on uh, a social accounting um, in in Australia, um, but in um, but in particular, his one of his the other organisations he's with, other than than Mercury, is um, the Employee Owners Owners of Australia, and um, they have put out a wonderful new paper on the uh, the. Um, the benefits or the you know, the measurement of uh, those that are employee-owned companies in Australia versus those that that aren't. In other words, the shareholding type model versus the employee-owned model, and that the performance of those employee-owned models was between five and ten percent better in a whole range of indicators. Mm. Um, you know, work satisfaction, but also profitability and all these other components of it. So it's a terrific read, mm. um, and um, available both on the um, Pro bono side and also our own, of course. Great, but I mean, I think that that's part of the point about the ownership and therefore the um, uh, the in the end the value of spending the time and mm. that is that capacity. Uh, once you know a group of people well, mm. um, uh, that you actually you know work work to get work together much uh, much better. Yeah, so you've got so. In Australia, the common ones are the ones you've sort of um, outlined in the, the the buyers co-op or the the sellers co-op. Essentially, do you reckon that the two could come together in the the multi-stakeholder sort of model of ownership, which is really really common over in Italy and I think in Canada as well? Um, are you familiar with that one? Or? Uh, I am a bit, but I've explained sort of what you're after, so I can. Refine, define it, refine it a bit. Okay, just some thoughts on the multi-stakeholder model. Um, uh, the model, as far as I can discern, is that you have uh, your your buyers group essentially, which is your market, and they form together to meet together and figure out exactly what it is that they want and what they require of the business. And then you have uh, a workers co-op as well of the people who do all the work to provide whatever the market wants. And they both have sort of essentially fifty percent of the share in the ownership and the control of the company, and they have to have even more beer to figure it out. <laughs> Sounds like a win-win. <laughs> Sounds like a win-win. Um, it does sound like a win-win. Look, there are examples that are I think are emerging, and I can't I can't speak on behalf of these organisations, so I won't mention names. But um, in the context of platform cooperatives in particular, I think there is real opportunity to do that. And my, my best example would probably be this one. Um, it would be in the current environment around healthcare and the NDIS um, scenario, where you've got um, uh, you've got suppliers who are, say, the healthcare uh, workers for a range of NDIS um, requirements, and then you've got um, the consumer who are the NDIS um, uh, recipients. 
Um, and in the middle is the technology, of course. Now, the point being, that's a perfect example of the supplier and the consumer both potentially owning the same system hmm. and actually supplying internally to each other, um, and, sat- and but each being an owner of that, which means that they still trade in the effective manner and they still pay their uh, appropriate fees, but the surpluses and the operations uh, to do that and supply and create the service in a more effective and efficient way for each for both parties, um, uh, they would therefore share in that benefit. Yeah, yeah. Now, agreement. Agreement, obviously, is is the aim of drinking all this beer. Um, so, what, what's the yeah? What, what's the importance of agreement in in this sort of enterprise? How how can oh, you? Yeah, go on. Well, well, yeah. Governance um, and governance strategies is the, is the, is paramount. Um, in uh, the. The gentleman's so-called or gentleman ladies agreement, um, where we all shake hands and look at each, look, look each other dead in the eye, is uh, is a fabulous concept. And don't we all, uh, you know, believe that personally? The um, but um, ten years later, you've sort of forgotten a bit about what you actually agreed, haven't you? Um, mm-hmm. So part of the point being is that uh, the old adage, if it ain't written, it ain't true. Um, it's really appropriate that you use the governance systems, and again, that's where the entity of, you know, how the structure of that body works and how it reports. Um, I mean, the point with cooperatives is there's some very, you know, there's some really good examples of of where it might work much more effectively in a bigger scale. For example, uh, the perfect example is if you're a company limited by guarantee and you're going to put out a financial prospectus about investing in your organisation, um, you know, it costs a significant amount of money to do that prospectus. In a cooperative, you actually don't have to do that because the nature of the constitution um, and the legal requirements of the operations means that there is trust already installed um, in, the, you know, in the operations of the organisation. So when we're back to the carpetbagger scenario, it's not easy for the carpetbagger to, you know, open their bag of tricks and, you know, empty everything into the carpetbag and run away with that. <laughs> yeah. So how, how democratic does it work out to be in practice? Well, that, that, I mean, that's the, the principle of, a, of, um, of property, of course, that is that democratic uh, principle. In fact, it's one of those seven um, uh, that, again, it's about... Um, you know, that there's an equal participation. Now, as we know, and you get seven, five people into a group, um, you know, you're going to get, um, you know, a couple of extroverts and a couple of introverts and a couple of fence-sitters and a couple of whatevers, you know, that's what happens. Um, and often, you, you know, you get a leader or whatever, but the, the, in the end, everyone still has to put their hand up and vote. Um, and that's the, you know, that's the principle about it. So they are extremely democratic. Um, and in fact, that's where many people um, start to be not so be be concerned. I mean, it's, that's where they their concern is is that, of course, um, you know, I'm the biggest operator. Um, I'm putting in the thousand tons, and you're only putting in two hundred. Why haven't I got a bigger voice? Mm-hmm. And the answer is because we all share, we all share that. We're all getting the the benefit, um, you know, co- you know, collectively. Um, but of course, in a in a classic uh, company's environment, in that sense, if they were the biggest supplier, they you know may have a bigger voice. But 
that's not the scenario. That's not the scenario, because it all you know, that's how that uh, that, that works. Yeah, yeah, it's one member, one vote, really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it is. That's the you know that's the principle. I mean, that it still means that any operation, uh, of course, works on the basis of who's in the group. Um, and uh, but in the end, when it comes down to the actual voting, um, one is you've got your governance documents that support um, what it is. So even if, even the most meek um, have always got that um, as their uh, as their leverage, as their fallback. Uh, so they may be the smallest member of the um, uh, of the group, but you never know. They may still have the most fertile of the grounds to work with. You never know. Hmm. And what happens in that sort of situation to the wallflowers who don't want to say anything, or the people who just want to drink water? <laughs> um, well, as I say, that's a practical operation of any of, of of any meeting. I mean, the point goes in an ownership plan. It is about working through who's. Um, uh, you know who are the contributors to that uh, to that part of the program, um, and the um, but the rules, are, are, you know, in an association are, pre- are basically standard and agreed to as part of the common agreement. The common agreement being that the that the five minimum five people have to essentially agree to what that common um, uh, idea is of why you're actually forming a cooperative. Yeah, yeah. Comes down to the basics in the end, doesn't it? Um, now you would have seen an awful lot of these uh, these organisations actually in action over the years. And what do you what do you reckon the relationship of the the respect between the people in the meetings for each other and the and the success of the organisation is? Um, I think that's a very good question. I, in general, pretty good. Um, general, very good. I mean, I mean, as in any. Also, any organisations there can be, um, you know, rises and falls, and friendships fail, and uh, the original purpose of which you set out um, may vary to some extent. But then you've got to take yourself back to what was the origins of that, and there may be change because the change may be originally the focus was, um, you know, getting the best price for our asparagus. However, mm-hmm. we realised that in fact. Um, So therefore, people get tired. 
and they just I've had enough. And um, and sometimes organisations have, t- have closed simply on the basis that they've just had enough. And, and what could we do to try and address that? Other ways to build in links to the community or to to sell to sell that value to the community? How how do you address that issue of the work falling back on a few? And and like you say, I think that's quite that happens quite frequently. Well, I I have to say, um, in my modus operandi, this is this is mine. Um, not necessarily Mercury's, but um, through the work that I do with social enterprise services, which what I do, and uh, really based on my um, the work that I used to do as an arts administrator and festival coordinator, was I do work on a, on operating principles, which I call the Triple M principle, and that is mainstream, make money, and make a difference. Um, now, what I mean by that is that under mainstream, I don't mean it's just, you know, everything has to be Coles and Woolworths, in other words. But what it is is we use the same technique. You use the media. You use the um, the aspiration of which is the mainstream. Um, and uh, that doesn't all mean that you don't just use the alternative opportunities and, you know, think, think differently, but you still need to, you know, be engaged in what is mainstream because that is where the um, the opportunity for uh, thinking ab- about the sustainability of your venture is. And the second component was make money, meaning that there is nothing wrong with the concept that you um, that you cost a service or a product on the basis of what it actually cost you, plus um, you know what the labour was at, in order to produce it, plus um, a profit margin, which therefore creates a, a, a surplus. Um, and therefore create sustainability. And um, I know that's the you know that's the basic capitalist principle. But the um, but in that sense that it's because ultimately the third thing is make make a difference. Is that um, you've got the choice then of using your of how you go about delivering that service or you know or prior, and also what you ultimately do with uh, any uh, any surplus and residuals that you that you've got. Whether you reinvest that. Effectively in your in your community, um, in the context of um, uh, a cooperative or a cooperative association, cooperative association, of course, is a not-for-profit organisation where there's no distribution amongst the members. A cooperative could can be a distributed cooperative, so that there is uh, you know profit to be shared, but that again that profit may be within the context of uh, five not-for-profit organisations actually owning that venture and that they're reinvesting in their uh, their own community. Or it may be that it's simply that the profit is um, reinvested on the basis of um, appropriate sponsorships and donations, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. I guess something that that I hear a lot is um, goes to that that issue of actually costing the labour, how much it costs to produce the goods, um, the the other external factors, perhaps um, some environmental costs, and then some kind of profit to make it sustainable and. Actually, building that into the cost sometimes, uh, or quite often, a lot of people will say, "Well, that's too expensive. I'm not going to pay that amount for my milk and for my my groceries when I can get get the cheap milk from from a larger producer." So, how do you um, convince people that this is uh, a way which which is a, a sustainable way forward when it is going to cost them perhaps a bit more? Um, well, that is the that's the um, the service or product proposition. Um, you know, what's the service you're actually pro- providing? Mm. I, I guess one of the things too is that, is in analysis. If 
um, if you enter a um, if you enter a crowded market, um, hoping to um, beat down the the big guys, uh, you you may be being naive. Mm. Yep. <laughs> um, milk, I wouldn't jump in at the moment. If you're a dairy <laughs> farmer, I know what you mean. You know. Yeah. Um, well, I've got to say the uh, the Tilba milk mob are doing quite well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, but um, by way of it, but you know the point that you the point that you're making is. It is about thinking through, um, and that's the point of the part of the ownership plan. But it's also part of your marketing and your research, and um, you know what it is. I mean, you can't. The point being is that a cooperative will come together for for the um, um, for a for a purpose. Now, the purpose might be, as we said before, providing healthcare services for people with a disability, or aged care, or whatever that might that that may be, because we've you know, there's 10 of us together. We're all uh, skilled in it. We've been doing it for years. We don't like, um, you know, how the big players are doing it. And, you know, we should be able to do that ourselves, you know. Um, and um, so we've then got to look at who else, you know, that's cra- that, that um, care market, of course, is quite a crowded market. But so what then is our, is our member proposition uh, scenario? Can we deliver it cheaper because we... We don't have the overheads of that other company. Um, do we? Um, uh, do we actually already know our clients, so uh, we can actually win that business immediately, and therefore uh, don't have a large marketing expenses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, all those different propositions uh, might be in it about how you might formulate that uh, that venture. But ultimately, have been again about providing that service to the um, to your community. Yeah, so is there like a formula that you can use for a successful collaborative enterprise or is it just got to be tailored to each individual thing? Uh, I, I, I think that the scenario around the... One is, yeah, does it... Each venture, each idea um, um, has got its own, um, its own its own relative merit and that's the... Uh, it is about working through the ownership of... Um, you know, how a group will come together, but it also still is about what is the marketing plan, this classic stuff of, you know, price, place, product, you know, you know, bloody, bloody, blah, you know, all those Ps, more more or less every time somebody talks to me about it. The, um, the um, um, but it's also about, as uh, Chloe was just saying, about looking at the costing. Now, it's also being, it's not being naive about that is, is part of the exercise, but there is, um, I think I've always thought that uh, um, one of the most important aspects of uh, a startup venture is to look at not so much your cash flow, but the scenario of what's a, a sales stroke cost volume projection, where you really work out I'm going to I wanting to sell. Um, let's say you've got three different things that you're trying to sell, and one of them is going to cost you fifty dollars to produce, and you. Um, and the other one is going to cost you $100 produce, and the other one's also going to cost 100 And you make an expectation of how many you're going to produce. And if you have um, uh, if you can then very quickly see that, you've, that you think that you're going to sell 50 of those and 200 of those and 100 of those, that, you know, say, in a one-month period, and you've only actually sold 20 of those, but you've sold 200 of the others and only two, two of the third one. You can see much quicker about where the, your venture is actually going, rather than looking. I mean, you know that the cash is in the bank, or it's not in the bank. That's, uh, that's the next part. But uh, you can clearly see that you only sold 
20 out of 50, hmm, am I, do I need better marketing or do I need uh, to tell more people or am I overcharging or whatever? But the other one, when you sold 200 and you only thought you sold 100, well, you might be on a winner. Maybe drop the other two. <laughs> yep, yep, certainly could. Uh, but is there a classic formula? No, I mean, the formula is, uh, well, the, the formula is basically that you've got to examine the three components, which is you know, your management, which is all the aspects around finance and the operations and the people, uh, your marketing, which is all your, your, your P's, as we've just said, and the other one is what I'd call your, uh, your programming or your product. Um, if you're an arts organisation, you're looking at your programming, meaning you know, what's the shows you're going to put on. If you're a, um, you know, if you're a service supplier, it's still what's the product and service you're actually providing. And you've got to examine each each of those, but still, um, and back to your um, and each of those are integrated, of course, because um, you know you might have the best management and best finance system in the world, but you know unless you're actually somebody's marketed and you're actually selling anything, well, you'll fail. Yep, it's true. It's true. Now we're starting to run out of time, unfortunately, but. Um what do you reckon? Do you reckon can all these sort of collaborative enterprises, which I think are commonly called the new economy movement these days, can can all of these together really scale up to provide for all of the things that we sort of we now have in our economy? Um, I think we're looking at a new um, era. Um, the uh, Mercury assisted. Um, uh, Vivid, uh, along with um, uh, to, uh, to present uh, Janelle Orsi from um, uh, San Francisco's um, Sustainable um, Economies Law Centre um, in this, uh, uh, you know, in the Vivid in 2016, and um, uh, who came out as part of the speaker, speaker program. And she talked of a wonderful scenario, which was, you know, we all talk about Uber. And we all, you know, with a, you know, oh, Uber, you know, Airbnb. <laughs> and the point that she made is that, you know, Uber um, has got such a great, you know, it's, it's such a terrific name. I don't mean it's got a good name. Um, but the point being, it's now the, the bastion of the model, if you like, of the platforms. The real issue is that the Uber model is highly capital intensive, um, which means that a small number of in- investors have put in a bucket of, back, bucket of money. And, but it is in your classic extractive model, mm. meaning that the, the people who are actually um, are participating in it as the drivers um, um, are, the, are at the bottom of the food chain or at the bottom of the employment chain. And where the scenario being is, why didn't the taxi drivers themselves think about how could they band together in a cooperative form and actually own that? You know, what is essentially a taxi operation. And look, there's a million answers of why they didn't do that. But the point is now that, you know, can we, now that we know that this model exists, use it? And so the thing that um, uh, Janelle talked of, and she said, what she said was, we should thank Uber. <laughs> hmm. We should thank Uber because they proved that the model works. And that's very true. So that in that context of the of uh, of platforms, mm. that we can then look at how can we use this contemporary technology, but how can we own the operation and think about that operation ourselves as you know those that are actually working in it. 
So that's why I say, for example, in the health environment, the health workers need to be looking at how can they bring themselves together and how they, can they band together. So part of the, the task then is not just about individuals, it's about uh, organisation, you know, um, not-for-profit organisations potentially coming together and saying, we actually supply this service. We employ X number of people to do that. Maybe us along with three of our other mates and you know somebody else who's got backroom operations, etc. We bring it together and we create a community-based um, platform that's really going to assist the um, uh, the employees in this sense. So it becomes more of a distributive model as opposed to an, an extractive model. So on the basis that your of your question, which is, can we create let me call it mainstream, high-level operations. The answer: Yes, but it needs to be playing with the, you know, some of the larger players in the, um, uh, you know, in the not-for-profit sector. Um, and there's some good, you know, clearly some good players. Um, but it also needs smaller operations too, who are start startup, who may be just banding together and they, they expand and, and grow them and grow themselves. So, yes, I think there is a real opportunity here. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll run with that. And let's imagine that, say, the National Health Cooperative has gone completely national and taken over a lot of the market for health and, and GP services and there's a big amalgamation of all the, the housing co-op people throughout Australia and they're doing really well and they're, they're ending up with I'm, community I'm housing with, trusts and we're taking over a, a fair chunk of the market and the profits are all going back to us. Mm-hmm. What are the what's the response likely to be from all the people who are making the profits off us at the moment? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say two things here. Firstly, number one, I'm with you, comrade. Uh, <laughs> Bring it on. Yeah, yeah to the barricades. Uh, there we go. The, um, look, the, re- the I guess the reaction is obvious. Um, uh, these this those groups are the are the mainstream now. And uh, cooperatives, in that sense, in, that, in this sort of uh, in that sector, are, what's the current claim that they're around fifteen percent of the um, uh, of the GDP? The uh, which means that you know when we look at a, at a at a you know market concept, a market is a hundred percent, and so we've only got fifteen. So our argument is, can we get twenty percent? Can we get twenty five percent? Because the other the big players, of course, um, you know, they're competitive. They are adversaries. They, uh, you know, they will attack, mm. and um, so it is about, you know, ensuring that that protection will occur. I, um, um, I, I think that the idea of the national health cooperative is a brilliant concept. I think mm. <laughs> you should immediately start working on that, Scotty. Um, oh, look, I don't have to have a look on our have a look on our SoundCloud site for the national health cooperative interview. They're brilliant. Uh, look, I look forward. Is, it, this is, is that the, uh, is the mob that originally came out of the um, Bell Conan group? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 they're they're doing quite well and they're growing yeah, consistently. No, they are. They're very, yeah, they've, uh, they they started up uh, with some difficulties, but they're hit, really hitting their straps now. It's they really are. Great. Yeah, it's looking great. Mm. Um, yeah, sorry, man. 
No, I was just, just going to say, I think it's interesting. Um, a lot of people, when you talk about uh, cooperation versus competition, which um, perhaps, the, like you say, adversarial, the bigger players um, have that approach, is in our culture, it's quite a, a foreign thing to say to someone, oh, actually, um, why don't we work together instead of being in competition and, and perhaps we, we could have a better outcome. And even if you look at very simple things like card games, and I said to someone, oh, I'll, I'll play a card game where we all cooperate to achieve an outcome and it just looked at me strangely like I was um it's just crazy yeah it's it's something that perhaps maybe we're getting more and more used to but the idea that you can have uh better sometimes better outcomes when you're working together rather than in um an adversarial relationship oh indeed indeed and it is that um uh, look it's it's it is a really interesting scenario and that's partly why I think that that paper about the um Employee ownership is so interesting because if you take the view that um, a venture and let's let's, let's throw a num- a, you know a number in it and the venture makes you know a hundred something or others and um, of which there's a you know a fantastic profit in that in that hundred um, now on the basis of the indiv- of the individuals in it they I, you know somebody would go well I could I could have made fifty of those. Uh, or I own fifty percent of that. Well, the scenario is, of course, that the five people will all, all get twenty percent of it, which beats the poor bugger that was down there with one percent of the other model. So mm-hmm. the the issue is that if it's more productive, it means that we all benefit, mm-hmm. and that the way that the extractive system and we you know, the scenario uh, we talked about earlier about the environment, the environment is is not at a position where it can cope with. Everyone taking more and more. It's got to be more about how we we share it. Mm. Um, it has to be, um, otherwise we uh, will. You know, there won't be anything left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I've got a billion more questions, but I don't have very many more minutes to put them in. Um, yeah, what what are some of the the really standout things in your toolkit that you've uh, you've found are very effective? Well, that um, Mercury is doing three things at the moment um, that probably focus on us. Well, I could say more than three, but number one, it's we've decided that we've changed our name a bit. Uh, so you know, all else fails, change your name. No, <laughs> no, we've we're not the Mercury Centre now. We're just simply the Mercury Cooperative. Um, mm which I just think is just going to make the whole thing better, that we're not so much a, an academic organisation where we needed to be a centre or an institute. Um, so that's the, more of the active operation. But we do three key things, uh, which are probably worth talking about. One, in this scenario of uh, social governance and um, whatever, we, uh, um, we have gone in uh, league with a UK-based organisation, Social Accounting and Auditing, uh, UK, which is um, uh, really the you know the bastion of, uh, of the social accounting system, which was the forerunner to social return on investment and a whole pile of other So one, um, we're looking at undertaking training. Um, uh, at least doing it, we're, we're going to be doing an initial training exercise in uh, late February um, for next for next year um, on that on that program, and that's the concept where it's about embedding um, um, 
the process around social accounting and social impact into an organisation, particularly those that are the small ones, but they do it themselves. And that's the idea is that sort of, you know, the organisations trains themselves and embed, embed it into a framework, a framework around sort of proving, improving, improving in, uh, improving in accounting. That's, uh, that's a key thing that we're undertaking. The second area which we work in is the area around um, um, what, we, what we call enterprise stewardship. So it's about generating income. You heard me talking about markets and whatever it is. Well, that's the major income generator. But one of the things that organisations in particular often need is this startup capital or maintenance of various things. And crowdfunding has been a big focus of recent times, but we've taken on a scenario which is called e-give, and e-give is a more of what you call plan giving. So it's a scenario where um, it's a bit like the church. If you take the view that um, uh, Mrs. McGillicuddy only comes to church twice, you know, twice a month and puts ten dollars in, but if she, um, um, but we can potentially, uh, over the, but she's more than happy to put in more, but she just doesn't come. So the scenario being that. Um, uh, she's, uh, you know, we're all prepared to maybe give somebody a hundred dollars or so a year, but we've really only got ten dollars a month to provide it to provide. So that's the plan giving scenario. That's a thing called e give, and we're able to work with organisations through um, the technical platform to make that happen, and we're making sure that that becomes a, a platform cooperative in itself, in that those that are investing into it and being part of the donor process are part of the. Um, in a part of the chain, and of course, the third aspect that we work we work with is around what we call sharing and learning, connecting, sharing and learning. Um, um, that's why we conduct things at, at Vivid. That's why we participated in the um, uh, ALA, um, uh, the new law um, and a new economy uh, conference in September. Yeah, um, the Australian doing, Australian Earth we, Laws Alliance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's why we're uh, uh, doing a another event within Vivid next year where we're probably going to be working with the Inspiral group from um, uh, from New Zealand to uh, you know, co-present that. So that's about trying to stimulate new thinking as well. But those three things, so they're three practical things that we're currently engaged in uh, for, for the new year. So the social accounting, the e-give, and then uh, our continued programming of events and uh, we also run an, a, a collaborative library on our uh, on our website too, so it's about just information being out there. Yeah, nice one. How do people get in touch with the Mercury Centre or Cooperative? I believe it is now. If, uh, if they um, want to know more, very simple. It's you know mercury.org.au. Nice. That's fairly simple and to the point, I, isn't it? I, I think most people put, can put W's in front of all that, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I've noticed if, if you put mercury.org.au in your Google, bingo. That'll do it. Beautiful. Anything else you'd like to add before we wind up? Um, thank you for this um, opportunity. Happy to talk again if maybe on a specific topic that maybe you identifies with, say, maybe around the social accounting and auditing or, um, or maybe even on the stewardship scenario. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll be in touch again. And uh, yeah, yeah, record those uh, those events you do, and we can throw you on the web as well. Good. Um, thanks very much, Peter Tregilgus from the Mercury Centre Cooperative. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Chloe. Thanks, Scotty.
Good on you, Peter. Thanks for that. And thanks also to Liam, who is marooned out in the other studio, but without whom the show would not have gone ahead. We had the odd technical issue here in the studio, and Peter has saved our skin. So, uh, and Liam, and Liam. (laughs) Liam, mostly. (laughs) Thanks, Liam, for that. Uh, Okay, we've run out of time. We are going to go out with James Brown, I think. 